Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We are always coming to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton and can be found on Twitter at AD on the Blackout. I am Thomas Black and can be found on Twitter at TB on the Blackout. We are here with you for an ATS National Championship pick and pod as we get ready for Georgia TCU, the biggest of them all. Alan, welcome back in. How are you, sir? Hey man, this bowl season has been kind to me, so I'm doing pretty well, buddy. How are you? I am doing well as well. And to say that bowl season has been kind to you is kind of a massive understatement. You have been (laughs) almost completely dominant through both of our contests, both on the ATS side and the confidence side. You have a little bit stronger standing in what we're looking at in the confidence episode that's coming up next. But Alan, it has been a wonderful run for you all the way through bowl season, and it's been tremendous to watch because you've been right at the top of the leaderboard almost the entire time. Yeah, it has been one of those things where it just things went my way. Sometimes <laughs> that happens. It didn't so much in the regular season, but this bowl season, it surely has. No doubt about it. And we are looking forward to giving away some prizes. That is because for first place in our ATS Pick'em, we have a $100 Visa gift card and a blackout t-shirt. For second place, a $25 Visa gift card and a blackout t-shirt. And for third place, a blackout t-shirt. But Alan, you are in the running for first place. That's because you stand in a tie for second place right now. You've gone 24 and 18 in your ATS picks throughout bowl season. And your locks have been very solid going seven and five in your ATS locks. So for you, what are your thoughts? What's your highs, your lows as you've looked at bowl season all the way through with your ATS picks? Well, right from the get-go, I think maybe opening day, one of the games that was just uniquely frustrating was that UTSA-Troy game. I mean, Frank Harris, for the first time that I remember, just totally crapped the bed (laughs) in in every way possible. He had two interceptions. I mean, they had chance after chance after chance to win that game, but because of five turnovers – I mean, they had outgained Troy by 200 yards, but the turnover margin just couldn't be overcome. That was one of those locks early on that was uniquely frustrating, in all honesty. Another one that that I've looked at was Memphis and Utah State. Memphis, I wasn't sure how they were going to come out and play, to be totally honest with you, but Seth Hennigan, that crew was ready to roll. And I was way, way off on that one. One that I thought would go in a different way was Coastal Carolina, East Carolina. And I think it still would have in some measure if Grayson McCall hadn't have gone out of that game, you know, in the second quarter. At that point, ECU just really started rolling and it became a no contest because Coastal Carolina just couldn't hang with them. But Looking at the highs, we locked on a lot of them. Maybe the most frustrating of them all was the UCLA-Pittsburgh game because that game, not only on the ATS side, it has it a lock, but I had it way, way up there on the other side with the confidence spread. And UCLA should have, for all intents and purposes, won that game. In the second quarter, we're up by two touchdowns and found a way to lose it. Just 
both seasons have been awesome. No doubt about it. For my end, I have not had as pretty a slate against the spread. I am in a tie for 16th. I've gone 19 and 23 in my picks. My locks have been pretty solid, going 6 and 6 myself. But, Alan, there were a lot of lows that I looked at. I'm right there with you with UTSA. It was a lock yourself. But I wanted to start that first day of bowl games at 1-1 one and one at the worst. But I started 0-2. I was digging out of a hole right from the very beginning. You're exactly right with that UTSA pick. It felt like the exact right side. Outgaining Troy by 200 yards, five turnovers. They only went one of three on fourth downs. It was a troubling, troubling start for me and one that set me in a hole that I was trying to dig out of the whole way. But the locks were troublesome in some areas and I'm going to really hone in on the negative side for me in a lot of games that I feel like I was absolutely on the right side on but did not go my way. A lock in San Diego State, minus one and a half versus MTSU. This is another game where the Aztecs outgained MTSU 364 to 170, more than doubling up the Blue Raiders. And Middle Tennessee had negative 66 yards rushing. They couldn't block a thing. There were sacks <laughs> all over the place. I think there might have been a botched punt in there somewhere that added to it, but it was just madness all over the place. But just like UTSA, there were five San Diego State turnovers that allowed MTSU to just hang around and hang around and ultimately win the game outright. So one that I feel like I was absolutely on the right side. I feel like San Diego State dominated the game, yet somehow they still lost. Another one for me, I had Arkansas minus four and a half points. They led by 25, and of course they sacrificed that entire lead. They did go into triple overtime and got the win, but only winning by two points, of course, did not cover one again that I feel like I was absolutely on the right side, but I did not get the win myself. Like you mentioned, the lock party we had with UCLA did not go our way. The five UCLA turnovers were very troublesome in that one. And like I said, I was digging out of a hole the entire time. I started 0-2 on the first day. There were three different times I reached 500. I got to 3-3, three and three, I got to 6-6, six and six, I got to 8-8, eight and eight, but I never was able to get above 500, and it was really the start of the thing that really went wrong for me. But you're exactly right. On the positive side, our lock parties really righted themselves from the regular season. We went 5-1 and one in lock parties versus our 0-4 mark during the regular season, and we only had one of those that really I think should have gone the other way that we actually got the win in. That was Minnesota minus 6.5. They were outgained 477 to 215, more than doubled up by Syracuse, and Syracuse also went one for three on fourth down. So really, when I look at it, I found many games that I feel like I was much more on the right side and had losses in than the opposite effect, where I took wins in games that I would feel like I was really on the wrong side. So when I look at my record at 19 and 23, I really feel like I should be closer to 22 and 20 and have a tie for sixth place or so with my standing. So I kind of feel better about my picks than I've actually had come out in the long run. That's okay. That's going to happen sometimes, but I feel like I really got burned with a handful of games this bowl season and not as many went the other way for me. That's crazy. And that's the thing about against the spread is that one or two fluky things happen in the game and it totally has a different outcome. And uh, that's part of the fun, but also it makes you pull your hair out. Absolutely, it will. Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and get to some ATS locks. Yeah, let's do it. All right, because you are in the top three, you've got a chance for the top spot. We're going to let you go ahead and start us off. My pick, of course, does not have as much significance, but we also want the people who are in contention for those top three spots to stick around because we're going to give our picks, 
And then because Allen has so much significance with his pick, being in the top three, we're also going to give advice to those of you who have a chance to land yourselves in the top three or protect your pick up at the top of the leaderboard or things like that. So we're also going to help you navigate kind of thought processes as we read them, and uh, you can do with that as you please. But, Allen, why don't you take us away with your lock for the national championship? All right. Honestly, it's a really interesting matchup, one that I certainly did not expect at all. Um, And I I don't think that you did either because I had Michigan covering and I had them at a 37. So this was one that I did not anticipate coming. But with this line being what it is at 13 and a half, as weird as it is, my mind is telling me this is going to be a Georgia blowout. But everything about the way TCU has played throughout this year makes me believe that TCU is going to cover this spread at 13 and a half. It's a fairly low over under at 62 and a half. So when I think of a 13 and a half point spread, you know, I think that's probably a little high for my tiebreaker. I'm going a little under that, which means to get anywhere close to that, it's going to be, have to be, fairly lopsided i don't think that's going to be the case because tcu's defense is pretty good they stopped the run well they were able to limit michigan's running game um all throughout the night except for basically that first drive it was some of their deep shots that they had trouble with i think this stays within that 13 and a half so i'm locking up tcu well alan let's go ahead and close out the year with a lock block Okay, let's do it. (laughs) I thought about doing the same thing with you and going with TCU, going with the underdog plus the points, but I really think Georgia's very, very good. And I think we saw some fluky stuff, most certainly, with TCU's win over Michigan. So I am going to go the other way. And it's hard when you're sitting here going into a national championship. You know, we try to give you our favorite plays all throughout bowl season, but now we're giving you a single game where we both have to be on one side or the other. So we were either going to end up with a lock party or a lock block. But during the regular season, we had a single lock block. I came away with the win in that one. We'll see if we can continue that or if Allen ends up tying it up in that regard. But some of the things I look at in that TCU game that I worry about the Horned Frogs with is the fact that though they led 21-6 to at the half, they stopped a Michigan drive for a turnover on downs right on the goal line to start the game. They followed that up with a pick six that they scored on to take the lead. They also had a Michigan fumble down on the goal line after that, what I think was a touchdown pass from J.J. McCarthy was overturned and set up Michigan on a short first and goal situation. And they also had a second pick six in the second half. To me, this game really feels like it could have been Michigan winning the game by two or three scores. That didn't happen. Give TCU the credit. They found a way to get the win. But when you look at the Georgia Bulldogs, I think they're an even better version of what Michigan is. When you look at J.J. McCarthy, he had one of the best, if not the best game of the season, passing the ball in this matchup with TCU. I like Stetson Bennett right now more than J.J. McCarthy. Now, McCarthy probably has a bigger upside long-term, but right now with what they are, I like Bennett more at quarterback. I think he's safer with the football. 
You also have a pretty good Georgia running game, even though it's not as good as Michigan's. Kenny McIntosh and Dejon Edwards have been solid there. You have the receivers that have really stepped up at different times. Though Brock Bowers was kind of quiet in the playoff, I like him. I like A.D. Mitchell. Of course, we have a question mark about Darnell Washington and whether he's going to be available for this game. And if he is, whether he's going to be fully effective or not. But I like what Georgia presents offensively with a balanced attack. Once again, I think they should be able to have some success against TCU. And I just am going to bank on Georgia having more success defensively than Michigan did. I already thought Michigan was going to have a much better performance defensively than they did against TCU, but I'm not going to bank on TCU doing that again twice. So when receivers like Ronnie Bell and Roman Wilson had a lot of success for Michigan, guys that weren't great during the regular season, I tend to believe that Georgia can find success in the passing game as well. And if that's the case, I think they can open up some things in the running game. So when you flip it to the other side, Max Duggan didn't have a great game against Michigan's defense. He went 14 of 29 for 225 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and a couple of picks. But Kendra Miller is a question mark for this game. He got banged up in the second half of that game against Michigan. We don't know if he's going to play. And if he's limited, sure, there's other weapons, but I like Georgia's ability to stop the run even more so than Michigan's. I just like this team all the way around more so than what we had with Michigan. So I'm going to rely on Georgia, who's been there, done that, doing it again in a game where I feel like TCU already had a lot of things go their way. And I just don't think that's probably going to happen again in the national championship. I think that's fair. I really do. But this is a TCU team that has found their way to make every single game of importance close or blow out on their side. But they have fought and fought and fought. And as you mentioned, that Michigan game in some ways had some fluky aspects, but they were able to turn over Michigan three different times. It wasn't like they were significantly outgained. This is a team that has been able to run the ball. I don't know that anybody will be able to run consistently on Georgia, but they're going to try. We'll see. The biggest thing to me will be, can Quentin Johnston make enough plays to keep this one within shooting distance? I think this will be a fairly entertaining national championship game. I think it totally has the potential to be. I just think Georgia probably pulls away in the end, but I'm absolutely with you. I think Quentin Johnston, Tay Barber, and Darius Davis are absolutely huge for TCU. I think those guys have to cross havoc in the defensive backfield for Georgia. It's something that we saw Ohio State have success with until Marvin Harrison Jr. went down, and it's something that I think TCU absolutely has to have, especially if Kendra Miller is limited severely or if he completely misses this game. I think it's going to be more difficult to have success in the ground game. So I think the pass game is absolutely vital for TCU in this matchup. Yes, very much so. All right, Alan, are you ready to break down some picks of some other people inside our top five? Very much so. All right, so Alan, one of the things that he has talked about and that we haven't promoted quite yet is Alan is not quite a guarantee to finish inside the top three but you have a very good chance. And what Alan has already said is he is willing to support our Patreon supporters with his prizes that he wins in this postseason. And there will be some, because as good as you have done on the ATS side, you've done even better on the confidence side. So we can guarantee that you're going to be walking away with something. So that is going out to our current subscribers. That is Bruce, Joshua, Regina, 
and Jorge. You can't sneak in and grab some of that right now just because you hear this on this podcast. But no, going forward, this is the way we are kind of helping this thing grow and develop over time. For those who are willing to support the show, get some of our picks, we're willing to give out some advice, that kind of thing. We're also going to help spread out some prizes and that kind of thing for some payback for some people who are supporting the growth and development of the show. So thank you, Alan, for doing that. And now we may as well turn our sights to helping some people win some of those prizes. Absolutely. I'm glad we can give back because folks have been supporting us for quite a while. Most definitely they have. All right, let's go ahead and start at the back of the pack for people who have contention for prizes. So we're talking about five people. That includes you, Alan. So really, we're talking about four others. But in a tie for fourth place, just sitting outside of that top three, we have Charlie and Will, who are both 23 and 19. And Alan, you tell me what you think. But I think this is very, very obvious. You've given an ATS lock for TCU plus 13 and a half points. I think it's certainly a reasonable pick, and you might very well be right and give yourself a chance to bump all the way up to the top spot in this ATS pick'em. But if I'm Charlie and Will, there's only so much you can know about what the other people are going to pick in this contest. And the fact that you are sitting in a tie for second and have given out your lock on air here on the podcast, I think it means that they should be on the exact opposite side. It gives them a guaranteed chance to be able to gain on one of the two people if not both of the two people in a tie for second, that includes you. So my advice is Charlie and Will, who are both sitting in a tie for fourth, pick Georgia minus 13 and a half points, whether you think that's the right side or not. It's a guarantee that you have a shot to pop up into the top three, even if not taking second place with tiebreakers. Exactly. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't at this point. I have to put mine on the line, so they might as well take advantage of that. <laughs> well... I appreciate your willingness to always give out picks here on the show, Alan. And that's the thing people have to recognize is that the times that you and I do creep up to the very top of the leaderboard, our giving away picks is really a disadvantage for ourselves, but we hope that it plays for an advantage for these people who are up in contention. But it only makes sense. Go the opposite of Alan. Give yourself a guaranteed shot to gain a spot. Maybe you get lucky and there's a couple of spots if Jason, who's also in a tie for second, is on the same side. But I think that's the only reasonable way you can play this, knowing that you're on the side you are. It has to be the opposite for those people directly behind you. Very much so. All right. Now we can talk about Jason, who is in a tie for second. And Alan, tell me what you agree with or not. You were both 24 and 18 in your picks all season. I feel like Jason's play isn't obvious either way. It kind of depends to me on what he thinks might happen with the rest of the leaderboard and how aggressive he wants to be in going for the top spot. So if he thinks these other guys behind him are going to go with Georgia and follow our advice, it could be advisable that he goes with Georgia and kind of locks them in behind him, whether it's a miss or a hit, you know, it secures a spot ahead of both of those guys. I think that could be one way of looking at it. Or if you tend to think, that Heath up at the top of the leaderboard is going to be on Georgia himself and you want to give yourself a chance to go up to the top, maybe you go on TCU as well. You know, I think you can process it a couple of different ways, but I think you could go ahead and lock those people outside of tying you just by going with the Bulldogs as well, minus 13 and a half points. Yeah, I would agree. At this point, it would make sense to do either way, like whatever their gut's saying. But I think if you lock it up with Georgia – that at the very least, you are giving yourself, at the minimum, the third place finish, you know? 
Yeah, and I think that's very, very beneficial. Now, as we shift our way to the top of the leaderboard, Heath is at the very top. He has gone 25 and 17. He has a one-game lead. But the thing is, with his picks, he could finish first. If he's right, he's automatically guaranteed to finish first. But if he misses, he could drop all the way potentially two-third. Now, he is going to win a prize because he is ahead of only two people by one game. That allows him to finish anywhere from first to third. But, Alan, here's my advice for him as well. He knows only one person's pick. Here in the top set of picks, that is yours with TCU plus 13 and a half. And I'm going to give him the same advice that I just gave Jason in a tie for second place. I think he should be on the exact same side as you. That would be TCU plus the 13 and a half points. And what that would do is that would ensure that he stays ahead of you with his pick. It would keep him one game up. And then it goes from he could finish anywhere from first to third to he's going to finish guaranteed either first or second in this ATS Pick'em, and that is a way to ensure better odds of winning those top prizes. I'm right there with you, man. That would very much be my go-to strategy. Yes. Hopefully, we can uh, get some results and see some people take some of this advice, but I'm glad you're in line with me, in line with the thinking of what these other people should be doing, but it'll be fascinating to see what happens with this because we do have a pretty small listenership with this podcast, and I would venture to guess not all of this advice is going to be taken word for word, so it'll be interesting to see where the picks lie, but good luck, sir, in your venture for that top spot, and if you're automatically relegated to second at best, good luck. Yeah, good luck to all these competitors, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out on Monday night. No doubt about it. And Alan, one last thing that we have to do in talking about advice for these people before we get out of here is an absolute must is getting in a total score tiebreaker for the national championship. You lay that thing out, and it gives you the absolute best chance to finish in second place, to finish in third, knocking other people out. There's bound to be a tie or two that has real true significance. So getting your tiebreaker score in is an absolute must for you and everybody else inside this top five, especially those guys who are in a tie for fourth right now who are really going to need the right plays to land and then have to have the tiebreaker to be able to secure one of those prize spots as well. Very much so. You've got the lock one in. And again, the over-under right now is 62 and a half. So that's just a good barometer to kind of give you an idea of where you're going. Very much so. And just for, once again, a little bit of insight into how important these tiebreakers can be, someone like Heath, who's at the top of the leaderboard, like I said, if he gets his pick right, he wins. He gets the top spot. But if he loses, again, that tiebreaker, if he puts one in, he could still finish in first place. He could finish in second. And if he doesn't put anything, it's almost a guarantee he would finish in third place if you and Jason get the picks right. So, you know, there's a lot of leeway in how this thing can land out, but it could mean somebody going from a tie for fourth into second place with a tiebreaker. Alan, it could mean for you landing the top spot overall. There's a lot of different ways that thing can play out. Yeah, it really can. It's kind of fun for there to be so many different options this late in the game. Very much so. Alan, you got anything else before we head on over to a confidence pick and pod? I don't think so. Again, we had two different games during the semifinals that were over that over under. I think this one's going to be under. So that's just all I'm going to give out 
All right. Than TCU covers that 13 and a half. All right. Well, another bit of insight as to where Allen is going. If you like that side as well, then you better be strategic about what kind of point totals you land on because you can think about field goals and touchdowns and you might want to go slightly off one of those marks if you want to get an edge one direction over somebody or if you think we could be headed over of course you can certainly go the opposite direction there's a lot of different ways you could think about that and strategizing exactly what that tiebreaker looks like and what kind of advantage it may give you yeah very much so all right something that we have discussed just briefly before we came on and recorded here is Alan and I decided we're going to post our confidence national championship picks for free on the podcast feed. So for the first time all bowl season, you're going to have access to that. And we're going to do the exact same thing. We're going to lay out our picks. We're going to talk about why it has significance for us. You're going to get a pick from our champion, Alan, because he has already wrapped up that side over on the confidence side. And we're also going to give advice to every single person who could land inside the top three and walk away with some of those prizes. So, Alan, I'm looking forward to it. And if you've listened to this episode, make sure you tune into the other side, especially if you're in contention for one of those top spots, because we're going to lay out what we think is the absolute best advice for each and every one of you. 100%, man. See you on the other side. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. <laughs>